0: 18 plus. plus.
1: Testing, one, two, please, for the love of God. (laughs) Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones, unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now, sit back, relax. And enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square.
2: Times Square, that'll Oh, ye of little faith.
1: Do I have my water? I do. I'm surrounded by pups. Got my phone. Just in case your your episode is boring. <laughs>
2: Thanks.
1: It's never going to be boring. I know it's not. <laughs> it's never boring here. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, theater geeks! (laughs) Hello, geeks! You've stumbled upon Theater Geeks Anonymous, where we chat about Broadway flops, scandals, and
2: new works. Who fails, who sues? We tell their story. (laughs) I'm out of practice. How many weeks has it been? since? It's we... been a while. So the
1: way that we have been doing this mm-hmm. is that we will meet whenever we get a chance, yeah. which is few and far between anymore because yeah. I picked up a second job. So I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, and we'll just get like two or three recordings out yeah. of the way so that we're ready for the next go. But like now we've depleted all of our episodes, yeah, we have- but we also only have a couple a couple, like six more before the end of the year or before
2: right. the end of this season. Right. So like four full episodes and then like maybe two intermission. So, right. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Something like that. So anywho,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's been so long since yeah. I've said the opening credits. <laughs> Cause we, not that we ever said them correctly anyway. No. I feel like that's also maybe
2: another issue. <laughs> the, but the ending welcome. we always had discombobulated. So you will notice now that it's recorded. <laughs> yes, it is. It's pre-recorded. It is. So we don't it's have to special do it. too. It is.
1: There's we've got like a blooper thing too, I think first one of them
2: well because it was like we were having distortion <laughs> issues and that's when you said please for the love of God and I was like oh, please right. keep that in because that's every single episode was <laughs>
1: testing testing for the love of God <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. I don't think I've put that in yet so maybe I'll do it for this episode I'll so everyone it. it's a good one you know the best things happen when we're just incredibly tired and frustrated and, frustrated and desperate <laughs> Some of the best moments come out of desperation.
2: Desperation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I feel a little bit better when I listen to other podcasts and, like, they have, that like, audio gets all screwed up on theirs. I'm like, great. We're all in the
1: same boat. We're good. good." It's fine. And I think, I mean, honestly, I think we've only had to really throw out one recording that was just too distorted to use. Yeah. So that is actually, let me just knock on some wood. Is there wood somewhere? I made i i think it's like veneered wood <laughs> or m d f veneered m d f but it was wood at one time <laughs> anywho so tell us about the show we're gonna do, oh
2: guys, okay, so um this will be the maybe the first well we're this is our these are our christmas episodes
1: mm-hmm. merry Christmas. <laughs>
2: So uh, so this episode is going to be about the red shoes. I
1: cannot wait. <laughs> because I know the movie. I've okay. watched the movie, but mm-hmm. it's been a long, long time. Because yeah. I watched it as a kid. And there's obviously a ballet right? that actually just played. Where did, was it playing? It was New
2: York City Center. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it just closed earlier in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so badly wanted to see it. And I just didn't get the opportunity. Yeah, you me, know, me, time me, and money, that, man. Time and money.
2: Yeah. I mean, really, is the time... Because with New York City Center, when they do those bits, they're, um, like, very short. Yeah. Which so is, like, a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So, and especially
1: with ballets, too. That I don't think they run ballets for lengthy periods of time anyway.
2: No. This was uh, Matthew Bourne did the, a ballet production. So this is, this was his production of the Russians. nice Nice. Um, and it got some some really good reviews.
1: So. Yeah. Very good reviews. Yeah. The, I mean, just the commercials alone looked Gorgeous. really stunning. Yeah.
2: They looked gorgeous. <laughs> oh, well, if, if any of you were able to see that production, tweet at us, Facebook please. Us, uh, email us.
1: If you took a little illegal cell phone video, <laughs> send us the link.
2: We'll see that. Yeah, we'll watch it.
1: We'll watch it and then condemn you. <laughs>
2: we'll probably not do the last part. We probably
1: won't. Just in my own mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've gotten so much less judgmental in my old age.
2: (laughs) Because, like, you just learned. Yeah. Everyone's trying. Yeah, seriously. Well, some people are trying. (laughs) Some people, I don't know. I feel like most people are trying, though. I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. All right, so the red (laughs) shoes... Okay, so the source material... Uh, blah, right? Oh, easy for you right. to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. The source material um, is from the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Whenever I hear the name Hans Christian
1: Andersen, yeah. I think of the Danny Kaye movie. I'm mm-hmm. Hans Christian Andersen, Andersen, that's me. No, it's I so good. Oh, really. What is that? I think it might be called Hans Christian oh. Andersen. But it's Danny Kaye, starred as Hans Christian Andersen, and it's, like, about his time in jail writing – he was jailed for something. I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched the movie. But uh, writing some of his stories while in jail.
2: It's a musical? Yeah.
1: It's like a movie musical.
2: Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's good. It's
1: good. And Danny Kay. I mean, I love yeah. him. Yeah. yeah okay, I interrupted you, and you didn't even get, it's like, okay. the first sentence out. Go for it. I'll be quiet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as we all know, Hans Christian Andersen's pretty dark. Yes. <laughs> uh, I told my roommate my Little Mermaid story. I was, when I was a kid, right after the Little Mermaid came out for Christmas, I asked my dad for The Little Mermaid. Of okay. course, I was thinking of Disney yeah. because that's what I
1: had just seen. The VHS.
2: Right. <laughs> and so he told his friends, like, that's one of the things I wanted. So they went out and tried to find it, but they they couldn't find the Disney one because it wasn't out on video Oh, uh, okay. But at that age, I didn't understand. I was like, I saw it in a movie theater. I want it for Christmas. Right. That's it. That's what I know. Right. And so uh, they sent, they gave me one where, the, I mean, she was blonde. And I was like, well, that's weird because Ariel has red hair. <laughs> so I don't know what this is. I put it in. I watched it. I was a little apprehensive. And I should have been because I was a child. Yeah. I watched the movie, find out she dies. I'm crying. My mother's yeah. like, what happened? I'm like, she dies. They turned head. her into
1: sea foam.
2: <laughs> she dies. My mother was horrified. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There was a show on Nickelodeon, I think, mm-hmm. and it was, I think D.D. Khan was the host, mm-hmm. and it was all about fairy tales, but like they told the actual version of fairy tales, mm-hmm. not the Disney-fied versions, okay. so I, as a kid growing up, had that I knew that there was the darker version and right. then the lighter version, and then obviously, like growing up and watching, you know, or uh, listening to Into the Woods, you know, right. you get a slightly dark, the darker version in yeah. Into the Woods than you do the Disneyfied version as right. well. So, but I like, kind of like the darker versions. <laughs> what does that say about me?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I I will say, okay, as I was doing research for this, I was annoyed by the number <laughs> of. Like, renditions of this that completely change the ending of the actual fairy tale. Yeah? Like, not even in the movie is the ending correct. Oh. Yeah. Everybody changes the ending. Yeah, I guess
1: they do. Well, because the the real ending is that she's turned into a tree, right? Like, a giant tree. Oh, see now? That's the version (laughs) I thought. She was going to murder the man, and if she killed that man who she loved and gave up her life as a mermaid for oh
2: you're talking about the little mermaid i'm talking about the red shoes oh. <laughs> so Let's get the, back on yeah. track okay i'm
1: sorry in the red shoes that didn't, that didn't
2: happen
1: you're like I'm, no there's no tree in yeah, the red in shoes like sorry there's there's no just, there's no sea foam in the in the red no. shoes <laughs> i uh don't know what you're talking about, about the, <laughs> the look on your face though and i just kept explaining know, and, and the look like... just got more and more confused <laughs>
2: Please okay. continue. Okay. Yeah, because
1: I don't remember very much at all other than that she just danced herself to death, right?
2: See, and that's the ending. That's not even right. Okay. Tell but, like, me. I want to hear. That's what's in this. That's what's in the movie. Yeah. So I okay. watched the movie because I, I had never seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so... The Red Shoes fairy oh, tale spoilers. Sorry, spoilers. Yes, it, this is like <laughs> riddled with spoilers. So, like, if you don't know anything about the Red Shoes, sorry. No, and I sorry. just came
1: right out with it. <laughs> Here's the ending. Sorry, everybody.
2: <laughs> um, but that's well, yeah.
1: It's anyway. okay. Yeah, keep going.
2: <laughs> uh, so, the Red Shoes fairy tale was first published on April seventh, eighteen forty-five, in Copenhagen by C. A. Ritzel. Maybe I'm pronouncing sure. that Reitzel. Um, In a book called The New Fairy Tales, first volume, third collection, 1845. Um, I was able to find the fairy tale online quite easily in a PDF form so that I read it. And then this is my plot summary. It's still long. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So a little girl named Karen who lives with her mother is so poor that her mother doesn't have the money to buy her shoes. A shoemaker in town sees that Karen has no shoes and uses some red ribbon she has. To make Karen a pair of shoes Karen's mother dies So she's, so then she's an orphan Because it was just she and her mother um, And she must wear the shoes To her mother's funeral As she has no others One day a kind old rich lady Sees Karen, now orphaned, crying And takes pity on her And decides to adopt her She takes excellent care of her And when the time comes For Karen's confirmation They go shoe shopping So this is a very uh, Catholic heavy story Okay um, Karen sees a pair of red shoes similar to the ones that she saw the princess wearing a few days prior, and since her adoptive mother's eyes are bad, she lies about the color and persuades her to buy them for her. Instead of paying attention during her confirmation, she only thinks about her red shoes. When she comes out of her confirmation, there's an old soldier who's found begging outside of the church door. He sees Karen's shoes and says, what pretty dancing shoes. Karen dances a little in her shoes, then they begin to have a mind of their own. Suddenly, she has no control over her feet, and it takes half the church to pin her down and pry the shoes off of her.
1: <laughs> yeah. How old is she? Do we know how old she
2: is? Um, they what didn't confirmation give an like age, like but like confirmation 12, age that is like 12. Like 13, 12 yeah. So that's where I'm guessing. That okay. um, It was funny. In one of the cartoons, the girl looked like she was 7. And I was okay. like, that doesn't look like confirmation age. In <laughs> the other cartoon... Um, which started out being actually more accurate to the story. The little girl was, she looked like she was about 12, 13. Okay. Uh, Her adoptive mother eventually becomes very ill, and one evening, as Karen has been taking care of her, she finds out there's going to be a ball at the castle. Even though Karen's supposed to be home taking care of her mother, she really wants to go... And she finds the red shoes they have put up high in, like, some cabinet mm-hmm. trying to hide them away because, you know, they almost killed her. <laughs> but instead, Karen decides, I really want to dance, so I'm going to get the shoes and put them back on. Because she's completely Selfish forgotten Karen. Yeah, about, like, what happened and how, you know, she almost died. <laughs> uh, she decides to leave her ailing mother and go to the ball. As she dances at the ball, her shoes again have a mind of their own, and she is unable to stop dancing. She dances out of the ball through the woods and then falls upon an angel who tells her that she will dance even after she dies. Oh, good grief. But like she, the feet keep taking her so far, she barely gets to even hear all of that the angel is saying. She continues dancing and eventually comes to the house of an executioner who she begs to cut off her feet because she's no longer able to get the ballet, the red shoes off of her feet. He does, and he gives her wooden feet. Upon learning that her mother died while she was at the ball, Karen again has no place to go and begs mercy from the church. They take her in, and she repents for her vanity. She does so with such sincerity that the angel returns to forgive her and blesses her. It's a little bit more that happens there where she, like... So
1: it's a happy ending.
2: Yeah, it's like she doesn't actually die. Like that's she learned her lesson,
1: apologized. And yeah, now she's okay. And then the
2: angel comes back. The angel does have mercy on her. Yeah, she like it's something like she wanted to go to uh, the church service, but like she wasn't able to, and so like somehow the angel like brings church to her or whatever, okay. and, like, community to her. So it does. It has sort of like a nice ending. Yeah. The the cartoons like they always skip the the cutting off feet. So like, yeah. the one where <laughs> no, the, like, really, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just don't do it. Right. you have to do? Just don't do it. The one where the girl looked like she was seven, they said, uh, it wasn't an executioner. It's some nice jolly woodsman, which is not what it is. It's not what it is. -mm. Um, And so uh, he, like, takes her in. She's sitting in the bed. And they said, and it says, like, her feet swelled so much that the, and then the shoes just, like, fell off her feet. And everything was fine. And oh, I, was like,
1: I do remember that yeah, one.
2: Yeah,
1: But that one never made sense to me because if her feet are swollen, there is no way that shoe's coming off.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's really silly. Um, and then the other one is like she begs to the one where the girl looked 12 and it started out being really accurate. Mm-hmm. Then like, of course, goes to the crapper at the end. <laughs> Um, she instead, like, she prays and asks for forgiveness and that she wants to go with her dead mother, the second one. (laughs) Like, we've forgotten about the first one, but whatever. But, like, anyway, and then she flies up in the air and then they're there and there's, like, a priest there that she knew which, like, nobody thought he was dead, so I don't know (laughs) why. And so, like, he goes up and (laughs) then they're all up in the sky and then all of a sudden, like, she's back on earth and she's at the house and her mother's not dead. And I was like, this is Dumb. So dumb just so don't tell dumb the story right
1: the don't only, call it the red no, shoes just don't make your own story yeah
2: just don't <laughs> do it don't say hans christian anderson's the red shoes that's right. not what this is this no. is like this is your thing the only accurate like quote-unquote cartoon i saw was a comic strip okay um and they told the story accurately wow feet are cut off wooden feet the whole deal anyway now she can clog that's terrible. Ooh, that's but pretty dark. awesome.
1: That got dark. <laughs> it makes me dark. laugh I'm like, oh, she can clog now. She that's can great.
2: Now.
1: Oh jeez. But she would get a little slippery on the cobblestones. A little bit, yeah, because of the wood. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> but, uh. So the Ori- executioners executioner just have wooden feet lying around. He
2: made them. Oh, okay. He made them.
1: How did they attach okay. them?
2: I don't know. Like, I don't know. How does that work?
1: Like, I don't know. Like, screw them in. That sounds awful. Yeah. Maybe it's a hollow wooden foot that she just puts her leg in. Yeah,
2: like those wooden shoes, with like in Switzerland, like clogs. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be like that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what that. I'm hoping is. it's like that. Yeah, me too. Because I don't know. Listen, I don't know either. So the origin of the red shoes, according to Wikipedia, (laughs) um, Anderson explained that um, the story was spawned on by an incident he witnessed as a small child. So Hans Christian Andersen's father was a shoemaker. Um, By his report, his father, Hans Andersen, was sent a piece of red silk by a rich lady customer to make a pair of dancing slippers for her daughter. Using red leather along with the silk, he worked very carefully on the shoes, only to have the rich lady tell him they were trash. She said he had done nothing but spoil her silk. In that case, he said, I may as well spoil my leather too, and he cut up the shoes in front of her. Wow.
1: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So So that's the thing that Hans Christian Andersen witnessed as a kid.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. That that gave him this idea to write this story. Mm Yep. All right, so um, The Red Shoes. So the musical The Red Shoes is based on the film, and I just watched the film. It's on Amazon if you want to rent it for three ninety nine for three days. <laughs> it's actually gorgeous. Oh. It is beautiful, um, and it's a favorite of Martin Scorsese, and that's how the movie got restored because he yeah. and a few other filmmakers raised money so that, because it was, like, disintegrating. Mm-hmm. Um, So they worked on the restoration. Awesome. It's it's really beautiful. Nice. The Red Shoes film is a 1948 British drama written, directed, and produced by the team of Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. Remember those names? Powell and Pressburger. Powell. Powell and Pressburger. Pressburger, (laughs) Known collectively as The Archers. The film is about a ballerina who joins an established ballet company and becomes a lead dancer in a new ballet called The Red Shoes. The ballet in the movie is based on the fairy tale, The Red Shoes. Although, like I said before, it's not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the film stars Maura Shearer, Anton Walbrook, and Marius Goring, and features Robert Helpman. Mm, Don't worry about Leonide it. Leonide Massine and sure. Ludmilla.
1: Ludmilla. no
2: idea what that last name is. T-C-H-E-R-I-N-A. <laughs> I'm not trying. Let me see it. <clears throat> It's a Russian name, Cherina. Okay. What's Ludmila
1: Cherina. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we have some Russian viewers. We, I, or,
2: listeners, <laughs> listeners. I hope so too. Ludmila. <laughs> I <laughs>
1: want to speak with a Russian accent like this.
2: There was there was one scene where, so Megan was my roommate was watching it with me, and I said out loud, I was like, I. I have no idea what he just said. Oh, no. His accent was so thick. I was like, I don't know what he just said. <laughs> um, uh, renowned. Uh, these people were renowned dancers from the ballet world, as well as Edmund Knight and Albert Basserman. Uh, it has original music by Brian Easdale and cinematography by Jack Cardiff, which again, the cinematography is gorgeous. Nice. Uh, and is well regarded for its creative use of Technicolor. At the twenty first I love Technicolor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like it's so much better than natural. Yeah. I love it.
2: Cause it's like a hyper Yeah. Like, like you feel like you're in a surreal, like It's so
1: pretty. Yeah. I love color. You know that about yeah, me. Yeah. You've seen my closet. And the like,
2: orange couch Techn- we sit on every day. Every week, yeah. I love it. But yeah, Technicolor.
1: <laughs> like I loved any movie that was in Technicolor, I would want to watch. Like I'd be just drawn to it. It's, I
2: love it. It's beautiful.
0: Plus.
2: Um, at the 21st Academy Awards, the Red Shoes won awards for Best Original Score and Best Art Direction, as well as nominations for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Today it is regarded as one of the best films of Powell and Pressburger's partnership, and in 99 was voted the 8th greatest British film of all time wow. by the British Film Institute. Very cool. Yeah. Um... Filmmakers such as Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese have named it one of their all-time favorite films. The budget for the film was 505,581 pounds, which, (laughs) in today's money, is 17,316,806 pounds and 47-something. Pence. Pence.
1: Which Uh, isn't a lot. 17 By million. today's Oh wait. What is a normal movie nowadays?
2: I feel like seventeen million is still like
1: You think that's high? Yeah, it's not I a, don't know. It's I don't to pay attention at. to movies.
2: <laughs> it's nothing to sneeze at. Okay. Uh and the box office takeaway was five million in nineteen forty eight, which is now $50,000... Wait, I'm 50 sorry. Million. $50, <laughs> oh, dollars and 18 cents.
1: That's quite a windfall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My
2: goodness. Pressburger originally wrote the screenplay for Alexander Korda as a vehicle for Korda's future wife, Merle Oberon. After some years had passed without the film being made, Powell and Pressburger rewrote the screenplay, including more emphasis on dancing and produced it themselves. Cool. Wow. That's cool. That's a cool part yeah, of the story too. That's really too. cool. That's really cool. Uh, Pal and Pressburger decided early on that they had to use dancers who could act rather than actors who could dance a bit. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, to create a realistic feeling of a ballet company at work and to be able to include a 15-minute ballet as mm-hmm. the high point of the film. Nice. They created their own ballet company using many dancers from the Royal Ballet. Oh my gosh. The principal dan- dancers were. The same names: the Robert Helpman, who also choreographed the main ballet; Leonard Massine, who also choreographed the role of the shoemaker; Ludmilla—the last name I couldn't more share.
1: <laughs> Ludmilla.
2: Um, yeah. All right. So let's see. Um, gonna skip down to the red shoes on stage because I have more about the film, but.
1: That's okay. No, we got to get to Broadway. Let's
2: get to Broadway.
1: Let's take these shoes to Broadway. Okay. To Broadway.
2: (laughs) The Red Shoes (laughs) is a musical adapted from the film. Novice producer Martin Starger acquired the production rights in 1989. That was a year before Jules Stein, the composer of such classics as Gypsy and Funny Girl, had believed in it. And he fought for the Red Shoes for a decade uh, and had finally won permission from Michael Powell to go ahead with the stage score. Wow. Now, this is the story of how he got those rights because it took oh, him uh, tell 10 me. years. Yeah. He sought the rights to the story from Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, the team that shared the producing, writing, directing credits on the film, but found them unwilling to approve the project even for a composer of his stature. But Stein was not deterred Uh, He took matters into his own hands. Five years... Okay, this is a quote from him. Five years ago, I decided I would extend myself, give a year of my life to write five ballets for the show. He recalls during an interview in... in, uh, Wait. It was in his living room. We don't need that part. We don't need that. Then I invited them to come and hear why I wanted to do it. When they heard the music, they said to me, Mr. Stein, would you please do our show? Now... I feel like some people say that people say things like that. I'm yeah. like, but did they Jules? the other guys are like, they? How much are
1: you gonna pay us?
2: Right. Jules <laughs> is like, was like oh, oh, oh. did they say that? But I mean obviously they did give yes. me rights. Um and then Jules said, What made me want to present it on the stage was the final minute of the movie. The spotlight follows the ballerina around the set of the ballet she once performed. Only she's not there. There's only the blank spaces and a very slow curtain. That's very theatrical. It's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. I wrote about 80 songs for the show to get the 14 that are in it. Oh, my gosh. The show is set in the 1920s, and I tried to catch innuendos of that period. Some of the music is very British sounding. The ballet music is from the French school. I stayed away from the Russian sound. Okay. Okay. For a musical in which da- in which dance plays such a major part, the question of a choreographer was crucial. Every chore This is more quotes from him. Every choreographer wanted to do this show, Stein claims. He consulted with his close friend and longtime collaborator, Jerome Robbins, mm-hmm. who suggested choreographer Lar Lubavitch. Okay. Um, and then Jewel was, like, extremely happy with him. And, and in fact... Um, Lubavitch's choreography is like the one thing everyone could agree on was gorgeous. Okay, amazing. That. Yeah. Lar reacted with initial skepticism when presented with the project, but went to hear Stein's score. Lar said the music he had composed for the ballet was the deciding factor for me. It was very moving, and I felt immediately that I wanted to dance to it. For me, that was the main issue, wanting to choreograph this music. There's also an account that says like, that Lar had um, the rights to be able to create a ballet for it. Okay. I, like, I, I found that in another article, but, like, that's not something I saw, like, over and over again. You mean
1: from the same music making a ballet that was separate from the musical or a ballet within the musical? So,
2: so like, separate, like a ballet, like, like turning the movie into a ballet. Okay. So there's, I saw an article, there was an article that stated that Lar had... The rights to be able to create a ballet from the movie. Okay. And then they said that then Jewel then asked him to come on oh, and do the musical with him. Okay. Um. So, but those instead were like kind of, of creating, instead of his, creating own. Okay. his own ballet. But some people feel like it should have just been a ballet, and it should have just been left alone, and it should not yeah, have been turned well, into a musical. I guess we're gonna find out why. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Okay, so, okay. <laughs> this is where things start to get messy. The original book and lyrics were written by Marsha Norman. Oh, of uh, Secret Garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two book writers had preceded Marsha before she was hired in 1991. So that means two other people were already fired before she got it in 1991. Okay. And it went to Broadway in 93. Do you see? Yeah. We're starting I see. to fall we're apart already. already. Yeah. We're already in trouble. Do we have
1: any information on why those two were fired?
2: Once I get deeper into it, I'll give you like what the speculation is okay. as, to, as to why. Like, yeah. maybe A workshop of the show was put on in 92 in Sarasota Springs, New York, and another a year later. Some people say the second workshop accelerated the trouble because there are mixed accounts of whether or not it was received well. Marsha was fired three quarters of the way through the process of getting the music to Broadway. Oh, for goodness sake. But it's weird because she wasn't like fully fired.
1: Okay. (sighs) Did they still use the stuff that she had already written? She's
2: like, there's one song that they used that was mine. But then like, I'll keep going and then I'll tell you who they bring in. So (laughs) it's like this weird thing where she still sort of has to work with him. It's like really weird. Uh, yeah, so she claimed only one of her original songs made it to the 1993 version, which was revised by Bob Merrill. Oh. Okay. Who was living in L.A. at the time, and because of health problems, he hated to travel. So to accommodate his inability to leave L.A., he would dictate copy over the phone, or he would, like, fax in his notes. That is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. It's no good. Susan Schulman. You'll know that name because it's your favorite musical. <laughs> she was meant to direct, but was later replaced by Stanley Donnan.
1: Oh, I know that name, too.
2: Yeah. So Susan Schulman directed The Secret Garden. Um, and I just listened to her behind the curtain. I really like her a lot. Um, And Stanley Donnan was a film director of musicals. He did Singing in the Rain and Seven Brides for Seven okay. Brothers. Okay. All right, so the cast ended up being Margaret Illman as Victoria Page, and Margaret was a ballerina. She, she was a professional ballerina. Steve Barton as the Svengali-like Boris Lermontov. But he he replaced Roger Rees. Roger Rees was in it during previews. Oh. Yeah. Wait, I know that name. I know. I know the Steve visit. Barton and... So while well, Steve Barton was his understudy, and this was like his only Broadway credit. Okay, but Roger Reese was in the visit. He's been on television. He just passed away this yeah. year. Yeah, oh yes, yeah.
1: I really like him. Yeah, yeah. It makes okay. me
2: sad that he he wasn't able to to be in was the show. Was Steve Barton in Phantom of the Opera? Yes, that's how
1: I know the name. Okay, okay. Yep, he
2: was. He was. Um, Hugh Panaro uh, also
1: was- in Phantom of the Opera, but <laughs> later on. <laughs>
2: As Julian Craster, Victoria's lover. George uh, de la Pena as Grisha Lujobov. <laughs> I hope I'm getting that right. Um, and Leslie Brown as Irina Boronskaya. Okay. The Broadway production opened at the Gershwin Theater on December 16th, 1993. Okay, so prior to the Broadway opening, the producer, Martin Starger, fired the original director, like I said, the male lead uh, and two featured performers. Okay, so this these changes uh, is what pushed. So it was originally supposed to be December second that the show opened, but okay. then it got pushed to December second sixteenth. Uh, okay, because of firing Susan and not using, wanting to use most of what Marsha did, and firing Roger and changing the two featured um, <laughs> actors.
1: To be honest though, I mean just a 2 week difference it, it for after firing all of right. those people and all of that That's stuff. That's not even going to help. Yeah. It's no. It's not. That's not enough time. <laughs> You're going to need fix. like next season. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um so so here's where a a major conflict happened. So you you originally you had Marsha, you had Susan, and now you have like these old white dudes, right? So you have Stanley Donnan... <laughs> You have Jewel Stein. Mm -hmm. You have Bob Merrill. And the old white dudes (laughs) wanted it to be um, closer to the film. Okay. Okay. But (laughs) the ladies were like, it's 1993. Mm Mm-hmm maybe let's not have a, a story where the woman can't decide between, like, which ma- man is dictating how she should live her life and, like, so she can't decide. Should I be a ballerina? Because, you know, Lermontov is is um, a tyrant and telling her, well, you know, I'll make sure you can't dance anywhere else. And so you, it was just, like, melodramatic. Yeah. And Susan and Marsha were like, but why can't we change this? And so... Uh, but the, the dudes were like, we actually, we don't even really want it to be about the ballerina. Like, we'd rather it was more about, like, Lermontov. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. And you wonder why. You tell your You're story. You're wondering
2: why. <laughs> um, all right. So even though the old white dudes wanted to be closer to the film... <laughs> this is the, like
1: OWDs. It's, it's
2: OWDs. <laughs> um the original director um and Lar and the set designer Heidi Landsman felt that to follow the film closely would produce a dull dated show. Yeah. Um and so like I said Bob Merrill was brought in to assist in rewriting the lyrics under the pseudonym Paul Stryker <laughs> I don't know. Okay because Bob and Marsha were asked to make such extensive changes this is why each actor was switched out so mm-hmm. for example Roger Rees was fired for his acting well I'm sorry he was hired for his acting chops and less so for singing and so they replaced him with his understudy Steve Barton who can sing right
1: but isn't necessarily as strong an actor as right. Roger okay uh,
2: because they wanted a voice that would fill the Gershwin okay uh and then most of elman's songs were taken from her okay so the original the woman who was originally playing arena yeah arena Borons- Bor- Boronskaya. Yeah. skya <laughs> um who sorry yeah who who uh is the principal ballet dancer in the story like who gets there before victoria is the principal dancer okay They took away a ton of her songs. So the original actress, whose name was Renee Mm Sabalos was replaced by Leslie Brown, who was a principal dancer at ABT.
1: Okay. Because she didn't need to sing. Right. Okay. She just
2: needed to be a very strong ballet dancer. Gotcha. Um... All right, so the critics and the creative team did all agree, like I said on one thing, Lara Lubavitch's choreography, and especially his 18-minute Red Shoes ballet. (laughs) But even that, he felt, was mishandled Mm -hmm. and no longer fit the show, as it was moved to be an 11 o'clock number, and, like, the parts of it were all rearranged. Oh. (laughs) It's just like... Yeah. This is stuff we talk about all the time. And... And you only had like two workshops. You didn't really have Mm -hmm. a tryout. Which is the brand new musical. So you should have had a tryout. Yes. And like I get it, they're like, Oh, but we're we're all top notch. Like we've done so many things and um you know, I wish on that Then you should have known better. Exactly. I mean look at Annie. (laughs) Look
1: at any number of the episodes that we've already done. Pride I mean, goeth
2: before a fall. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe that should be our tagline. Pride goeth before a fall. <laughs> but that's really an interesting
1: point to bring up. Yeah. Because there, in any of the shows that we have done, we haven't... We haven't introduced any person who isn't talented enough right. to pull it off, right. to write the book, to write the music, to, to perform in the show, to right. direct the show. Right. All of these people have a talent. All of these people have a creative viewpoint. Right. What they failed to do were... A, B, C, you know, not having enough tryouts, right. not listening to the critics, um, you know, not having it at the time of year that would be right. more successful. Right.
2: And that's another thing. This was like, you know, late December into January. Ah, it's the kiss of death, it man. It is. The life was that same yeah. time period. Strata Jones. Yep. Yeah. It's just not a good time. It was, no. So was uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay, so... Um, And then the difference, so another difference were in the uh, staging, right? Because Susan was let go, and so Stanley came on. So Stanley had the staging play more to the audience where Shulman's production allowed for a varied viewing experience for audiences mm-hmm. because she had worked from sketches of European opera houses from the time period. And these sta- and these sketches provided a look at the stage and the backstage. Oh, cool. So that's how she came up with her staging of, yeah. of the production. And was so, this
1: before or after Secret Garden? When did Secret Garden come out? This
2: was this was after Secret okay. Garden. OK. So like because what Marcia- she did
1: with Secret Garden was. Gorgeous. Yeah. So I can only imagine her her ideas right. behind this staging must have just been really spectacular.
2: Well, and in one of the articles, you know, the cast was like, so they they did the workshops. Mm-hmm. They have a break. They come back from break, and every and then the producers are like, and here's your director, Stanley Donnan. and they're like, what the freak. <laughs> And everything's going to change. And we're not going to have tryouts again. Yeah.
1: Yay. <laughs> Good grief.
2: You know, and they That's loved a way to her. cause a mutiny. Yeah. You know, and they loved her. Yeah. They were just like, our, where's our leader? Our right. leader's gone. You took know, our leader. Why did we bring her back? Oh, that is no joke, yeah. man. Oh, man. Yeah. Um. So the artistic differences made for what many felt was a hodgepodge of a show and ultimately had the critics panic. Mhm. Um the production ended up costing 8 million dollars. Lost all of its money. Oh. Uh so it cost 8 million dollars, uh which at the time made it for No, it still makes it one of the most expensive Broadway failures ever. Yeah. Um it had Sounds large like it. Yeah. <laughs> Largely negative reviews, although most of the critics singled out Illman as a praiseworthy dancer. Okay. Well, that's nice. Um, Spokesman for the show, Mark Thibodeau, said the red shoes did not Mark Thibodeau? Thibodeau, yeah. Rebecca. Oh, freaking A. I was like, why do I know that name? (laughs) That stinker! Yeah. We should- Oh, okay. So I was thinking about this because in another episode, I'm gonna name another producer who we're like nah. on, and so I I think we should every time we have these names, we should add dun dun dun.
1: Okay, I'm not sure that we have that special effect, but I'll try to find it. Okay,
2: <laughs> if we don't, it's fine.
1: <laughs> Maybe we could just Post do it. Like these do. Wait, say it again.
2: Mark Tipode. <laughs> Tipode. <laughs> Which way do you say it? Tippodo. Tippodo. Okay, one more time. Okay. I mean, Mark Tippoday. Is that wrong? Tippodo. No. Jeez. You, who's? I have um the guy who did the music for Pride and Prejudice. His is Tippoday. Okay. And it's spelled similarly, so I'm getting that stuck in my head.
1: Tippodo. You can say it again.
2: Mark Thibodeau. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's not going to work.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I That's really funny. I trying to say anything
2: like...
1: No, it's good. You know what? Because I've got... Um, as I was writing one of the episodes that we're going to be recording tonight as well... That may be for Christmas as well, actually. Yeah. I was looking at the names and I was like, you know, I'm just blanket statement. I'm going to say some of these names wrong, but I'm not even going to apologize. <laughs> it's just going to happen.
2: It's like when you read scripture and you're oh, like, I don't know what?
1: Yeah. Balthasar? What? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, like church yesterday. Oh, one, of, no. one of the city names is shit him. that in a in a room full of church people and don't get a couple of snickers i would be surprised
2: (laughs) oh geez oh goodness all right so that's i mean that's the red (laughs) shoes you guys there you Uh, go
1: Dancing to oh, a theater near we, you. I, Just kidding. I said
2: Mark's name like a pavilion times, oh, but never God. actually
1: got to the quote. Yes, we didn't finish. No. Go ahead. Oh, so what, I'm sorry, what, let's start at the beginning of that paragraph, because we missed uh, everything. Right.
2: Okay, so the Broadway production in 93 was a failure, losing nearly $8 million, which makes it among the most expensive Broadway failures ever. Uh, it got largely negative reviews, although most of the critics singled out Illman as a praiseworthy dancer. Okay. Spokesman for the show, Mark Tibodeau. <laughs> I want to say day so badly. Tibodeau. Is that right? Yeah,
1: just Tibodeau.
2: <laughs> said the Red Shoes did not have a substantial enough advance sale to continue performances. Gotta and be with quiet. these reviews, there isn't enough to go on, he said. He added that any show on Broadway needs a lot of ammunition to get through the traditionally fallow month of January. And obviously we don't have it. The Red Shoes was the second musical to close prematurely at the time of its closing. Paper Moon, a four million dollar show that was expected to open this that same month, mm-hmm. closed after a tryout at a playhouse in New Jersey. I'm I guessing I re- the Paper Mill.
1: I think I recall hearing yeah. that. Yeah, probably so.
2: Um, and then this was the same season that Jelly's Last Jam came out and oh, they were yeah. hoping like the music would you know, of both would be sort of similar or mm-hmm. what have you. Um but the saddest part is, they they called this show Jule's Last Jam because he died two years later. Oh, that's and this funny, but also really show. sad. It's really sad. Let's ignore. Like, we'll just like, you know what, Funny Girl Gypsy. That'll be Jule's last jam. And sure, it's going to be a good one. It's Let's really think good.
1: of the. I mean, like honestly, who remembers the Red Shoes being right. a Broadway musical? No, people just remember the ballet. Yeah, or the movie.
2: That's right. That's right. Um. All right. So Let that's it. it.
1: All right. We're done. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, geeks. <laughs> Could you just do us a favor and go to Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous.
2: Also, you can follow us on Twitter at TGA. way. <laughs> Also, uh P- oh man,
1: T G A B U A at Gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh to send us any comments, uh ideas for our intermission episode. Totally. Oh my gosh. Anything you want to send us, send us there. Or you can also message us on either Twitter or Facebook. Yes, you can. Uh
2: like, share, follow. Rate review, subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and where else are we? We are also on SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you are an Android user, Right. which I'm not. I don't know. I mean, none of my friends are. <laughs> I'm just so
1: kidding. are we not friends? Is that what you're saying? We're you talking about we're more than friends. <laughs> <laughs> This is going way south. Okay. (laughs) So,
2: anyway, thank you guys. You're awesome. Uh, Thanks for listening. Send us to all of your friends. Yeah. If if there's anybody you know that you think will like us, please tell them to listen. Hey, if you go to college in a theater department, spread us around. Yeah. I mean, Spread us like a a sun butter. Listen, if you want to (laughs) be the ultimate theater geek and know about shows that nobody else knows Mm -hmm. about... I think you might want to be trying to listen to us. You could be going to your 9 p.m. rehearsal going,
1: hey, guys, have you ever heard of the show Senator Joe? Yeah. Or maybe something called, I don't know,
2: Kelly? Okay. (laughs) Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.